1: oh, my God, this company should have died like five times.
2: Welcome to the Rocketship Podcast. I'm Michael Saka.
3: I'm Joel Steiniger.
2: And I'm Matt Goldman.
3: And we're having 20-minute talks with entrepreneurs teaching you how to launch your product into revenue.
2: Check out our book at howtobuildarocketship.com to reserve your launch discount and to download a free chapter.
3: Today we talked with Perry Blake-Gorman, She's the founder of Archively and one of the co-founders of Unroll Me. And she talks about how she went from being a headhunter on Wall Street to a solo non-technical startup founder. Really, really interesting journey. And uh, she also shares with us her process for building relationships that pay off in the long game. Really great chat with Perry.
4: Welcome to the Rocketship Podcast. We're here with Perry Gorman, the founder of Archively and one of the co founders of Unroll.me. Perry, welcome to the program.
1: Hi, guys. Thanks for having me.
4: Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about um, getting started with Unroll Me.
1: Well, I'll take it a little bit back further than that. So I, um, to, to get started, I uh, had a 13 plus year career as a headhunter on Wall Street. Um, and I kind of got to the, the top of the business and... Just realized, like, I was kind of unfulfilled. I met a guru in Bali. Like, there's a whole story like that. You pray, lovish kind of thing where I quit my job and spent, you know, a year traveling and, and kind of figuring out what I wanted to do with my life. Um, as it turned out, I, I kind of got into the the startup scene through beta testing other things and being like, oh, wow, this is great, and um, oh, wow, there's a lot of things out there that aren't very good. And sorry, uh, <laughs> but it's true. And I kind of thought to myself, oh, okay, well, what problems do I have? And um, funny enough, I had this situation where uh, I was supposed to see, like, my uncle and his email got buried in all these subscriptions that I had had in Gmail and I was really upset about it. It was like uh, just kind of a missed connection that, that shouldn't have been. And I went and I was like what is there that can help me unsubscribe? This is like the most uh, painful thing ever. And most of the things I saw like unsubscribe.com were, was still around then was um you know there were like the one button clicks, but it was it was more I wanted more than that. I wanted I wanted the whole experience of um, what what is in my inbox? Like, what am I actually subscribed to? So that's kind of like the beginning of it. And then um, at Startup Poker, as you do, I met Josh Rosenwald, who's the CEO of Me now, and uh, we talked about it. He was working on a bunch of different things, and we sort of partnered and founded it together. Um, and it was it was a good it was a good match, right? Because he had had he had already partnered with a couple of friends who um, we're product and engineering and, and I had the marketing piece and, and the idea. And so, um, that's, that's kind of how it started. And, so, yeah. Go ahead. So, so
4: you are now, uh, with Archively, a solo non-technical founder. Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got the ball rolling. Um, cause you're also self-funded as I understand.
1: Um so I'm angel funded now, but I, okay. I started out self-funded. I mean when, when I the thing that I the, the thing about unroll me that was great for me was that it was it was like my my startup training wheels kind of situation where I I proved to myself that I could get something out there. Like the experience of getting, you know. Uh, getting on Me kind of off the ground and like into visibility, um, gave me like, oh, wow, maybe I can actually do this. So, uh, I was not actually very passionate about email. In fact, I hate email. <laughs> so moving on to do something in an area that I'm more passionate about, I actually spent a lot of time thinking about archival. You know, I'm not, I'm not a kid. I'm 35 years old and, uh, I wanted to do something that I could do for long haul. And, um, I wanted to do something in, the space and domain that I spent my career on. So, um, Archive.ly is basically like Evernote about people, and it is uh, it allows you to build dossiers about people as you're researching online. So, there it's really built for recruiters and sourcers. There are a bunch of other um, there there are a bunch of other use cases for it too. Uh, and no, we're not a search engine, and we're not meant to automate everything. We're actually meant to capture all the information as as people who do this as a process, um, people, you know, stored in spreadsheets, et cetera. So, so I took all my money that I had in my bank account and I moved to California. I had a friend out here who gave me, gave me good advice, but it, it was sort of like the, you just go into VCs and pitch with your pitch deck and they were million, uh, $2 million kind of advice. And strangely enough, like, of course that didn't happen. But it also didn't happen, and I'm kind of glad it didn't. I think I've learned a lot bootstrapping and taking small angel money. Um, I think I've made a lot of decisions that um, I think I think actually I would have ruined the company if I had taken money early. Um, I had to get so tight on my vision of Archively because I just didn't have the resources to overbuild. And I'm a non-technical founder, so it's not like I was sitting in my bedroom just coding away for months and months and months, I had to be really, really clear about how I was spending all my, you know, my personal money, et cetera. Um, I, I, I definitely learned how to be scrappy and to, like, make good resource decisions and, and be really, really, really careful about who you work with, how much they're charging you and, like, what you get for that. Um, I, you know, I think, I think that was one of the, the best lessons that I had from that. And then I raised money. And I don't know, I, that didn't feel as hard as some of the other parts. So Uh, before
2: you raised the money, how long was that time period when you were bootstrapping?
1: Well, you know, like for, for half of it, like, uh, I mean, I guess I've been doing it for like, I mean, I came up with the idea like two years ago, but I didn't really start building it. And I guess I I guess I started building it like a year ago or so. And I think for a while I was just trying to figure it out. Right. I spent I spent months and months and months trying to find a co-founder. Like everyone says you need, you know, a technical co-founder. And um and then I finally was like, screw it, like I'm doing this anyway. So I need to just figure out how I'm gonna move forward. So um say your question again, I get lost myself.
2: How long were you bootstrapping
3: for?
1: Yeah, I mean I guess I guess I bootstrapped for like I guess I bootstrapped for like eight or nine months, but technically I wasn't working for a year. I wasn't really necessarily, it wasn't a company yet, right? It was just an idea and I was out here networking and trying to figure things out.
2: And then you gave up on finding a technical co-founder. So what was the alternative?
1: Mm -hmm. So I've had a friend who had just like 500 startups. Like he had a startup that failed, and um, and he was like, he's like, you were really passionate about this, and I just want to help you. So like we we started, and he helped me start to prototype it, and you know I did more research, and it was just it was sort of like just taking a long time. Um, I was talking to a lot of customers. Um, and then I finally was getting to the end of my own personal runway. I was like, you know what? I'm I, I need to raise money, and so I did. And so I, I raised like a small amount of of angel money, and then had this team that I put together. And then there was like massive disaster, like personal, like God wrath of God kind of stuff happened to my team, and I, I'm not even going to get into it. It was like terrible, like like one of those things where. You're kind of like, is this a message from God that I'm supposed to give up now? And, and so that happened. And then I had to, I had to make some decisions. You know, you don't, I didn't have a, I didn't have a million dollars. I did, had, I had limited resources. And so at that point, I decided, okay, you know what? I still don't have a full time engineer and I'm just going to give this whole product a facelift. I'm just going to redo it. I'm going to make it gorgeous and I'm going to make it responsive. And so, um, I actually used Unroll Me's designer out of London, these awesome guys called Simple as Milk, they're an agency. And um, we just just cleaned it up and redid it and um, took it out of prototype form. Um, And it was the best decision I ever made to do that because that is when people started to get it. Like there was a way that like when I started to talk to engineers, they were just sort of like, oh, I see it now. And so that was a really important decision. Um, It also financially let me kind of – kind of fake it until I could get the technology right. Um, And then I had, this is, this is a good part. I had half a month of runway left
3: and I was like,
1: Oh, uh," you know, this is, do you guys remember my article? Fuck it, ship it. Yeah. Matt's post inspired me to write that. I had like almost no runway left. I was in negotiations with this guy to come on as a co-founder. And he ultimately went to go do something else. And I, uh, dev shop which you know could go one way or the other to basically integrate my front end and my back end and um and i was like you guys need to have this done in two weeks and we just we just did it and and then a couple of my original investors were like you know we'll bridge you and then uh i raised more money and then just like figured it out. <laughs> it sounds like it crazy. It is crazy. And then I was like, okay, you know what? I'm not spending any more money until I have a full-time engineer. And I spent like another two months looking for a full-time engineer. And in the meantime, I was like, I also want to make money. And so I came up with a way to make money and here we are. <laughs> so
3: let's, let's talk about that for a minute. How did yeah. you start to make money before the product uh, was ready for prime time? And what kind of conversations were you having? You said you were out there for months just talking uh, to potential customers. What? How those conversations evolve into this kind of pre-sales?
1: Well, so the thing is, like, you know, the difference between me and a lot of people who build products is that, like, I, I really was the user, right? I, I, I actually, every time I talk to potential customers, like, I know their pain because I worked in the industry for 13 years, um, and there are very few people that come from the recruiting industry that build products. And, you know, a lot of times people are coming in uh, to the recruitment space because it's just so hot and it's so terrible of a problem. And it's like a huge market. Um, and so it's not like I was it's how do I want to say this? Like I'm learning like a ton from um, I, I was originally talking to a lot of recruiters where the the good the, the interesting story here is that this happened like my first client happened because i i like hustled my way into the founder's party in dublin <laughs> and i ended up meeting the cto of this company and we were sitting there talking and then we had a drink when we came back cuz we were, he's like he's like he's like you know for a non-technical founder i'm really impressed with you and i was like oh my god thank god an engineer of some merit thinks that I'm interesting. (laughs) And I was like, maybe he has some friends. And so we were talking about uh, me finding an engineer, and he was like, do you know any good recruiters? And I said, you don't need a recruiter. I'm like, engineers don't even want to talk to recruiters. I said, what you need is awesome pipelining. And then I'm like, like, it was kind of that eureka moment. And I was like, we can do that for you. And so, and we can do it for you in our product, right? So we actually have become like the user of our product and we deliver, uh, we deliver research to these clients in, in our product. Um, it's interesting and they, they, they get it and, uh, they hired someone already, like in the first couple months of working with us and, um, and now we're, we're using this example with them to figure out, uh, the, the The way the collaborative part of the product is gonna work, so it's interesting. I mean, it's I'm learning a lot now.
4: Where are you finding your uh leads from? Where are you getting new clients out from?
1: Uh so I am a networker. <laughs> 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 um so so here's the thing. like I built this product because this is what I do. Like I research people, like I stalk people for years. Um, I know that sounds really creepy, but it's true. And, and, and really actually what it is is that I don't wait until I need something to create relationships with people. I do it as a practice. And actually like that is, that is what like archively was born out of, um, was the idea that you, you keep track of people and you, you continuously do due diligence so that you're in the know on people. And that way, when you come to a point of needing something, you're like, you're there. um, New business is not, like, so the other thing is, like, I'm a salesperson. I'm a recruiter. Like, this is actually not the hard part for me. Um, I just kind of go out there and tell people what I do and put it into together in a package that makes it, like, where they can say yes. And, like, maybe I'll do a free sample for them if they're interested. But um, I think for, for me as a non-technical founder, like, getting... The skills to be able to like put my understanding of a market and vision into technology has been the harder part, and getting so and getting a technolog getting it like an engineer to trust my vision, and and be on board and see it too. That, well, that's for, challenging, yeah.
4: Oh well, so for some of us that that aren't kind of natural networkers, um, yeah. can you give us any insight into? what you're doing to kind of keep up with people. Is it reading news? Is it, are you writing them a monthly email just to touch base with them? What are you doing to, to always kind of be up to date?
1: So, um, so I, I do, you know, you do one thing, like you do everything. So I, the way I, I network is the same way that I had hunt. And, and, and basically it's, um, it's very, it's high touch, it's very high targeted and it's, it's not, uh, and I spend a lot of energy and attention on, on people in, in the sense that, um, it's not this like shallow spray and pray kind of thing. Um, I think, I think also being on, on sites like Twitter, like Twitter, Twitter and posting business stuff on Facebook and having enough of a network in those places allows for a daily familiarity to build with people that you might not know well. So that's like one piece of it. And then actually going and having meaningful conversations with people over time um, and knowing that you may not actually ever do business with this person. Like, I think a lot of people think like, oh, when I'm selling or, oh, when I'm recruiting or networking, like, I need to figure out what they're going to do for me or why this is valuable. Or people will be like, why should I meet with this person? And it's like, if you just keep meeting with people, eventually it starts to pay off
4: interesting so when you um meet with someone are you um how do i say this are you following up with them regularly or is it kind of a a one touch and now they're in your your you know box
1: um i think it depends um i i definitely kind of have this sort of uh you know once every six months um I'll I'll kind of reinvigorate a relationship. But I think that what I try to do is make the first contact of like, whatever I, I have a contact of someone that it's, it's powerful enough. Maybe I've made an introduction for them. That's meaningful or something that, something that sticks, right? Like something where you're like, Oh, this person will take my call again, or they'll meet with me again, or they'll help me if I need it. And, and then you don't need to do as much kind of tilling of the soil later. But, um, I think that if you only see people when you need them, that's what they associate your calls with as opposed to the other way
3: around. Interesting. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, networking and keeping up relationships with people seems like it should be this really natural thing, um. But people really tend to struggle with it, especially in kind of the tech world where a lot of people are more comfortable in front of their computer screen um, building something that is going to be perfect when it's released. And your your article, fuck it, ship it, and your whole approach to talking to people and networking uh, is something that I think we can all take a lesson from for sure.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, it's really, I, I actually, uh, I found, I am I just moved and I, I found this article that I wrote a couple of years ago, uh, in a magazine and it was basically, I had deconstructed how I, how I network. And, um, and I do, I realize it's like, it's like, you know, if you know how to walk trying to teach someone how to walk, it's really, it's actually kind of hard to deconstruct something for a beginner. Um, Sales and finding new business. I think, um, the biggest thing, the other, the other piece of advice that I would give people is that it's about getting the person to say yes to something. Like recruiting, like all these people that send job positions through email, like it's laughable to me. No one is going to take your email from someone they've never heard of before with a selling you a job position and be like, oh yeah, I totally am ready to leave my job. I want that job. Like that's ridiculous. Nobody does that. It's like, oh, hey, I'd love to connect with you. I thought that project that you worked on was really interesting. Love to introduce myself. Can we talk? And then like if they're a normal human being and you've somehow appealed to something that's um, interesting, or you flattered them. People love to be flattered. If you say something nice about them in the email, they generally respond. Um, that's another trick. <laughs> um, if you tell people, "Wow, you know that was so awesome," um, they do respond. And um, and and really, like it's it's people are in such a rush. It's like you're in such a rush to close a deal that like you kind of turn people off from the sale when, before they've even actually heard your pitch. Or um, same thing with recruiting. They're all the same. Recruiting is the same as sales, is the same as networking, is the same as probably getting investors and, you know, all like it's all kind of the same. Right. And when you
3: call something networking or recruiting, it kind of sounds like a dirty word. But if you just say, oh, it's it's relationship building, you know, all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's how
1: I want to do business. And it, it, well, and everybody else, and then and then you come to Silicon Valley, and you're like, "No, we're going to automate that. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to automate relationship building." Um, so so I, I, just like you know, I'm kind of a, a counter, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I believe in people. I believe I, I believe people still exist.
3: Yeah. Um, so before we wrap up here, um, you've been working on Archively now for. Did you say Too about eighteen long. months? <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: 18, eighteen
3: months or two years? Yeah, um, no, 18,
1: 18. Two I mean, two years. I've had the idea, but like it takes it takes a long time.
3: It does. It takes a very long time. So I guess in looking back over those um, past eighteen months, what we usually ask everyone we interview is, what would you do differently if you could go back and and change something?
1: Oh, God. I don't know. You know, I'm a journey person. I'm I'm a journeysman. Um, I kind of believe that uh, you need to have gone through all the things that you went through in order to get to where you are now. And so I'm not sure if I would have changed anything. Um, I also like and this is just a sideline. Like I have done more work on like my internal self, like to be able to also catch up with the company too, to like be ready to like do it full out. And, um, I don't know. I don't think I'd change anything. I think, I think I like to suffer.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Can you talk about any, um, any of the work that you're doing personally to kind of get ready to be a founder?
1: So when I met this guru in Bali, um, uh, a number of years ago, uh, his whole it's very Buddhist. It's all like kind of Buddhisty spiritual stuff. But but really, it's the whole dissection of fears and beliefs. So chances are, like if you, if you look at if you look at founders who continue to survive, there are people that like when they hit a brick wall, they find the magic door. And the only way that you find the magic door is if you can somehow like twist your belief system to say like no, that's possible. I'm walking through that door, you know, or I'm walking through that. Brick wall and 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 really like you have to have um enough faith i know this sounds so like woo woo and weird but like it's actually not about analytics or data or anything like that it's about like like how how many belief systems and programs that you grew up with telling you things had to be a certain way or they should be this way how many of those things can you let go of so that you, you can actually do what's possible Sorry, it's like super deep, but like, yeah, it's just constantly sitting and evaluating and being like, oh, I'm, I'm doing this because I'm afraid of this or I, um, I'm not doing this because I believe this strongly. And it's like, well, why do I believe that? Oh, because my parents told me that.
4: Well, yeah. So that, that goes pretty deep then. Yeah, it's like, yeah,
1: I'm actually super, super deep. My startup is the catalyst for my own spiritual awakening. Um, but really, yeah, I mean, if you look at it like that, then it's kind of like a game, right? And it's like, whatever happens, if I'm meant to fail, I'll fail and it will have been a beautiful lesson. But it's like, oh, if I'm not, then it'll just keep going. And there have been, mo- oh my God, this company should have died like five times.
3: Yeah. And well. it kind of just reminds you like why you're doing what you're doing. I think for some reason, that's very easy to forget. Um, so if you can remind yourself why you're doing what you're doing every once in a while, I think it goes a long way.
1: I mean, I have those I have those moments every day, too. Like where I, I looked at my engineer this morning and I was like, I'm doing it wrong. And he's like, no, find your true north again. And it's like and I do. I have to remember, OK, like this is why I'm building this. And like I will not be distracted. By my own self doubt, so it it happens, right? It's hard.
4: Absolutely. Well, thank you for joining us on here. Um, For everyone (laughs) listening, where can we keep up with you?
1: I I respond to everyone on Twitter. So be be the butterfly. B e that's a whole other story. B e t h e butterfly on Twitter. But yeah, and I I I totally respond to people because I think it's really rude when people don't respond to people on Twitter.
3: Awesome, thank All you. Alright,
1: thanks so much for coming on, Perry. Thanks. Thank you guys. Hope this was uh, educational.
2: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you haven't yet, pop open iTunes and subscribe to be notified of future episodes. We have some really great ones lined up.
3: And while you're there, leave us a review. We really appreciate each and every one of them. I'm
2: a
5: traveling man. Tears in her eyes. She said it's just really goodbye. I said I'm leaving. Crossing borders land. of land. I'm a in inner city a traveling man. Don't cry. Wipe the tears in her eyes. She said it's just really goodbye. I said I'm leaving. We gotta go and do something. And we did not too long ago. We got requests for this, so we had to do it. I'm leaving. We'll go ahead and leave the call. Heard around. The world from the wise of MCs. These cats is paying more than half a pound. Go in my garment back, and snatch it down. I got the skate, but we could probably run the back of town. Scenarios like this is tear jerks for the modern MC. I eat a blue collar worker, cause this thing called rhyming, no different from coal mining. We both on the simon to unearth the diamond. When you start climbing and them eyes start shining, you be struggling and striving, and they think you prime diamond. Maintain it keep silent, make no an observation. It's confrontation. This is the daily operation. My concentration, stay focused. On my recitation, about to reach my destination with no balls of hesitation. Baby, make the preparation, cause this ain't no recreation, this is pro ball. And we letting you know, y'all, at the show, y'all, doing this for dough, y'all. Get the phone call, and I'm ready to blow, y'all. but to go, y'all, been a pleasure to know, y'all. And I'm letting you know, I'm a I'm a duck in the city, traveling man. I'm a With tears in her eyes, she said, it just really goodbye. Of land. I'm a fucking t- city traveling land. Don't cry, wipe the tears in her eyes. She said, just feeling really goodbye. I said, I'm, I'm leaving, baby. i be back home to drop these heavy ass bags of my black phone around the world with the catalog of rap songs. My baby girl is walking, been away for that long. I you have smoking greenery.